0: recording so now
1: we're recording all right so again thanks for being here with us um, over this video chat Uh,
2: you're welcome
0: Uh, so I'm Austin and then this is Sam Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself
2: sure well I am the Supervisor for Stanford Health Plan Wellness and Lifestyle Medicine program, and Sanford Health Plan is the insurance company that insures both Sanford group health employees, but also commercial clients, so people that work at banks and school districts and grocery stores and auto dealerships. We have, I think, 170,000 individuals insured through four or five states, Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota, Iowa, maybe a little bit into Illinois. I'm not entirely sure how far we reach, but they have a wellness division and I am the supervisor of our wellness program. Um, So mainly I focus on Exercises and medicine. So, our exercises medicine program is a twelve-week lifestyle exercise program. So, over those twelve weeks, the individuals that come into the program are eligible just because they are um, they have different ailments or things that are going on that we can help guide them through an exercise program. Uh, At their level. So I am a certified personal trainer with the American College of Sports Medicine. And we have trainers at gyms throughout our, uh, let's see, Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota. We have programs going in Bemidji, Bismarck, Sioux Falls, and Fargo. So we've had 300 people come through the program. And that is the main wellness program that I supervise. But I also do... Coaching. So um, when an individual signs up for their health insurance program, one of the things that we want to do is help keep them healthy and keep them whole. So let's say they did have some struggles with their health or they're trying to lose weight or they're trying to bring their numbers down for high blood pressure, diabetes, uh, blood glucose numbers. Uh, high cholesterol, things like that, we can help on that coaching side of things to help get the right resources into their hands in the most appropriate way um, that will make most sense at the time that it's needed. So I work with a team that's all over. We have folks in Sioux Falls and Bismarck here in Fargo that we work with because our members are spread out across all of those areas. So that's my current role. That's a little bit about what I do in my job now. Yeah,
1: Yeah. I noticed you have kind of a zigzag pattern in your career, just jumping from one place to another. So can we kind of start at the beginning? And where'd you grow up? Uh, Where'd you go to school and such?
2: Yeah, I grew up in Frazee, Minnesota. So that is a Small town in rural Minnesota, and um, home of the world's largest turkey. Believe it or not, you have to get off of Highway Ten a bit to see it. But uh,
0: mm-hmm.
2: that is that claim to fame. And I graduated high school in the year two thousand. You know, I'm aging myself a little bit here. Um, so yeah, my twenty-year high school reunion is this summer. That's wild. Oh wow. And. I went to the University of Minnesota, Morris, Mm -hmm. um, and I started there, but I finished at the University of Minnesota, Twin Cities. I actually met my now husband at University of Minnesota, Morris, and then I did a study abroad in London, my sophomore year of college, sophomore, junior year. Um, and then after that, after living in London for a semester, I was like, wow, I don't think I can go back to rural Minnesota. I think I'm going to need a little bit bigger town to Mm -hmm. explore. So I actually graduated with a degree in theater arts, um, which was fun. I mean, I had a lot of fun in, in high school, in college. I actually took a little bit of a turn. I was, um, a thrower I threw the discus real far far enough for people to want to <laughs> pay for college uh, for me but I didn't really want to spend any more time on the track bus or in a weight room at that point in time I just wanted to be social and try a few different things just because I spent a lot more time um, in high school doing sporting related activities so mm-hmm. College was a really neat time to explore kind of that art side, but I also knew there was that self-preservation side of me that thought I should probably learn some like business and marketing acumen along with this theater degree. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was able to intern and then work at Ordway Center for the Performing Arts, which is in St. Paul, Minnesota and that was my first marketing job marketing internship and marketing job out of school and i was there for a couple of years and that was great i mean just to be employed right out of college and having a big girl grown-up job with health insurance and 40 hours a week um it it felt great It, it was a really nice start to things and then a few years in i i thought well maybe i should give it a shot to see if I can market other products. So I worked very briefly as a database marketing coordinator for a place called AbleNet, and they make assistive technology devices for those, let's say, for example, if a child has profound autism and uh, motor issues, they could, their assistive technology devices could, uh, like with a press of a button, they could communicate through a computer and different things that could be communicated to caregivers and in learning um, locations and different ways. So it was, it was a nice bridge of, of technology and it felt like a product I could get behind in terms of marketing.
0: Oh, and sure. um,
2: yeah, yeah. So, and then I also got to see the other side of marketing. So it was very different to go from a nonprofit world of marketing where you're just kind of boots on the ground, guerrilla style, get the word out, tell the stories, really appeal to the heart and soul uh, to get somebody to buy your product to then, you know, having a massive warehouse and huge orders and giant marketing budgets. I was like, whoa, you guys aren't even scraping for this. You just kind of making it rain and you have a research and development department and it was really a great eye-opening experience for me to go from one side to the other. Um, but then I was offered a a larger position as a director of marketing for a theater in St. Paul, so I took that. And it was a one-year grant-funded position, and so I, I got you know back into theater and the marketing of that. Um, but Throughout that time, uh, surprise, my boyfriend and I got pregnant, and I was like, okay, well, this was not planning on this type A personality trying to plan out her whole life. Um, and so we got pregnant for this baby, got married, and moved to Moorhead, Minnesota, like between the time I was 24 and 25, which in my mind is like the equivalent of a teen mom. But because I was like, not going to get married, not going to have babies, none of that until I was 30. That's when you're more secure and you have everything figured out. But we just rolled with it. And, um, and I'm happy to say, like, still married, same guy, great success. And our son, Dylan, is 13 and our uh, daughter, Julia, is 10. So um, that all worked out. So it worked out just fine. Uh, but then when we moved to Moorhead, I, we, we, I don't know, the Fargo-Moorhead area does not have a huge bustling theater scene, or at least they didn't when I came here in 2007. So I took a job as the marketing director for a regional library system, Lake Agassiz Regional Library. And that was fabulous because now the product I was marketing was literacy and community connectedness and different forms of getting materials into people's hands, whether they wanted it electronically, whether they were OG, you know, school book, turn the page, they could go that route. So Yeah, I worked there for over five years. It was fabulous. There were 23 different library locations. I worked at the headquarters in Moorhead, but all these little libraries were sprinkled out throughout northwest Minnesota, which was really neat. Like going into Gonvick, Minnesota, population 200, and there's this little tiny library, Um, and it was totally the community center. So um, yeah, that that was a, a fabulous experience selling a free product right so like what are we selling i was selling an intangible i was selling an experience people something that yeah you can't equate to a dollar amount um so then fast forward to i'm a you know now been worked in in marketing pretty prolifically the entirety of my professional career i now um mother of two two small children, and I pivoted to um, a little bit of freelance work. So I worked at the library while simultaneously doing some writing. So I was doing freelance writing. I would write for local publications like Area Woman, the Village Family Service Magazine, um, freelanced for the Forum a bit, did some articles, for them and ha, ha, resumes so this is kind of an, an interesting side gig was I wrote resumes for people for a while um, which was great I mean that was fun for me I think I've always been very interested in the story and the story someone's telling and nice. I think it's difficult for people to articulate their own story and so I would interview them basically and hear them their story and you could just kind of tell where their talents lie and i would tell them like well that like that's what you want to say in in the story you're telling to your future employer and so it's very hard to encapsulate your skills and talents and abilities and personality and strengths and weaknesses in one sheet of paper to rise above the rest and and i think it was really a a great time to reflect back to people, really how much they did have to offer. um, And they just forgot, or they forgot, or they didn't quite know how to articulate what they were great at. People want to stay humble. What's that?
0: People want to stay humble and not like brag about themselves.
2: I told them I would, that is so funny that you say that Austin, because I would tell them, I know you're North Dakota nice. I know you're Minnesota nice. But this is literally the only time that you can brag. Like, this is a legit brag right here on this document. Take it. Like, I don't want you to, you know, walk into a bar or a restaurant and, like, start telling me these things right away. But you have to be able to show your employer why you're the best, why they should pick you. And I was always so shocked with when I would... Interview and then go back and write these resumes um, for these incredible, you know, these tech geniuses or uh, nursing supervisors. I mean, the, the the sectors that they were working in w- was all over. It was healthcare and tech and small business and new career or just starting out or changing career. Um, so yeah, that was just kind of an interesting intriguing side hustle I had. And then along with that, I was teaching childbirth education classes and being what's called a doula. So an assistant to uh, couples that were having kids and ha- being a coach, you know, like taking, taking on some of that, that coaching aspect at a time that is uncertain and scary. Um, much like now, I think my doula skills come into play even now when people are like, what's going on? This is scary. This is awful. Too much suspense. I don't know how the movie ends. I'm like, I know. Right. I don't either, but we have to like, live in and embrace the suck together. Unfortunately. Live in and, um, yeah. And that's kind of where folks are at when it comes to childbirth, because yeah, you can plan for quite a bit, but then there are so many unknowns and there are, uh, so much uncertainty surrounding how much it's going to hurt or how long it's going to take, or is the mom going to be okay? Is the baby going to be okay? And, you know, we would educate to that, but it was just also, I think, really reassuring, especially for um, the partners, like the dads, because they didn't have to like, carry the the weight of that burden by themselves either. Um, and the other interesting thing I, I realized about dads Is that um, typically what I would find is that they they had this um, probably innate desire to like help keep their partners safe, you know, like they're like "Ah, if you previously were having a headache or feeling really bad, I'd I'd like go get Tylenol for you or just make you or make you chicken noodle soup. And now I can't take your pain away or this. I know it's pain with a purpose, but I just almost would see dad's suffering more <laughs> than the moms because they like wanted to make it all stop and have it be over and it's just scary um so it was really nice to have me working in the role as a doula because I could kind of reconnect both of them through that so it didn't have to be yeah so scary and uncertain oh so, yeah and and that actually that childbirth education doula work led me to Sanford. And now I've been with Sanford Health, it will be five years this summer. And I've been with the health plan, um, not quite a year and a half, it'll be a year and a half this summer. But prior to that, I was working at Sanford Women's and they um, handle all the childbirth education. So I was the manager of community programs. So I started by teaching classes and then managing our um, you know, full battery of services for women's health at Sanford. So we got a doula program going in the hospital. That was a crowning achievement to be able to offer that service to women and families in our community. And we also started a tobacco cessation program, which it's kind of wild. Oh. I don't think of it, but there are people that Um, have a tough time smoking or quitting smoking even while they're pregnant but statistics show that the highest the number the time that a woman will quit smoking is when she's pregnant one she sometimes doesn't feel very good at the beginning of the pregnancy especially and two there's a really high commitment rate to quitting because it benefits both her and and baby's health. So that was a really cool program um, to work with helping get, like, taking care of the next generation um, by helping improve the health of mom. So and that health improvement really led me into wanting to help people be wholly, wholly well. Throughout the life cycle, men, women, children, young, old, right in the middle, how best do we take care of ourselves? I think, um, especially now, like we typically know how to take care of people when they're sick. But I was very interested in, instead of kind of the reactive medicine, the proactive, what can you do? What can you control um, within your health and wellness and well-being? And how many different elements of that are there? You know, so in my job now, it's so, um, what's the right word? It, to to help gain the perspective that being well is not necessarily about being a marathon runner, eating five servings of fruits and vegetables Mm -hmm. a day. It's like, feeling at home in your body feeling like you're sleeping well feeling like um you know you're not drinking too much feeling like you're not in bad relationships or in a in a bad headspace um making sure you're connected and giving back to your community and your finances are in check or at least there are some plans in place to help you um look at the fitness or wellness of your finances. So just kind of looking at all of the different elements, dimensions of what makes a person whole was incredibly intriguing to me. And I think what I love most about the work I do now, uh, because typically when we coach or work with somebody, they're interested in how do I lose weight? I want to lose weight. And so we just unpack that a little bit more and say, why? why do you want, like, what changes for you? Are you all of a sudden in that relationship that you want to be? Are you all of a sudden out of debt once you lose 20 or 30 pounds? Like, so it just kind of pushes back um, a little bit of that responsibility back on the individual who is making some of these lifestyle changes, and then helping them see that, you know, much like the situation we're in now, that it isn't a sprint it's a marathon and typically any of those lifestyle changes that we make we we gotta buckle down hunker down and commit to them over the long haul because if we don't things pendulum will swing back the other way relapse yeah yes totally (laughs) yeah
1: yeah so you've kind of worked on multiple ends of the marketing spectrum Uh, from your library work the theater even in tech and then also helping people market themselves with resumes Um, so throughout all that what have you found that helps motivate consumers like in you don't have to use all those examples of course but um, anything in those fields that you remember
2: yeah and I stick to it today and I can smell it from a mile away still is authenticity. Like don't lie to people be the best customer service representative that you can be always, um, high accountability, always, you know, tell your consumer if you're wrong, admit it, apologize. Um, be vulnerable, be so vulnerable with the product and what you're marketing, and you'll it'll sell itself. Um, I, and that carried through all of the channels that I worked with. Um, and, and, and even sometimes I'll be like, well, this is very sterile. You know, if your marketing material or your approach is so sterile or so institutional, people are like, oh, it's cold. This, you know, this product doesn't want to give me a hug. It doesn't want to be warm. It's just too aloof, you know? So just those systems, I think, are so important. Um, Cross-training everybody involved. I'm very much so about that collab. Like, it's all about the collab, not as much about the hierarchical, this is your director and this is your manager and this is your, you know, frontline staff. I find that the people working on the front line of the product are just as, if not more important than the CEO of of that company. Um, So making sure that those visions are aligned and that you're not blindly marketing a product with a tone deaf message that your consumers are like, wow, (laughs) that's really not thoughtful and customer service is very low um, because, you know, let's say for example, oil changes. Mm -hmm. If the person working at the front desk has to handle calls and face to face customer service, um, but the guy in the back doing the oil changes is doing a real sloppy job, real awful. Um, she gets all of that, all of it. So the best way for her to handle that is to say, a Aaron is terrible. He's messing this up, right? Like passing the buck, buck, buck and throwing Aaron under the bus for all the bad oil jobs oil change jobs he's doing, or she could just be like, I am so sorry about that. I will comp you for that. You can have a free oil change next time. We are going to fix this. You are so important to us. I am, I'm sad that this happened to you because I know you have a trip plan this weekend and this is a safety issue and we're going to make it better now. I'm so sorry. You've got to wait. I know this like wrecks the rest of your day too. You know, so just being radically aware of how you're treating the customer and how you're communicating back with your team. So doing the right thing is always in front of mind in the first choice um, instead of second or third. And we've seen it, we've seen all the backlash when companies wait to respond or they wait to give Um, an answer when things flare up and go poorly and I know we've all had it we've all had that just terrible customer service or product exchange experience that we're just like oh my gosh like never again or they might have this beautiful glorious forward-facing Instagram campaign but you talk to the people and you're like I think I talked to somebody in a barn right now. I don't know what's going on. Like there was children screaming in the back or it never got back to me when I put my customer um, service <laughs> request in. And so I think that to make a short story very, very long, you guys, is to just be just radically honest with your customer, tell a true and authentic story, If you mess up, you apologize profusely, and then just train and make sure that everybody that you're working with and everybody on your team can be psychologically safe to share when problems arise and be able to take care of the customer no matter where they are on the chain, on the hierarchical chain. Yeah,
1: Yeah, so that kind of goes along with the company image and making sure that you're viewed Uh, well by the public
2: yeah and like anything that goes on um, I always laugh when okay here's an example so somebody put out on Facebook like hey we just um, what was it it was something from a city that was like hey we, we did this thing please let us know what you think only positive feedback thank you and I was like whoa (laughs) so by saying that you can only take positive feedback shows kind of where you need to grow as an organization or or as a product like all right here's our brand new basketball tell us what you think only if it's good (laughs) but or and then the second thing is transparency so if somebody is willing to respond directly to an angry customer that everybody can see in in a feed or an FAQ or what have you. Um, way classier, way classier move than saying, oh, I'll just DM you. Nope, just I'll, I'll respond to you. So everybody else is like, yeah, that exact same thing happened to me. Now I don't know. Do I, they're going to DM me too. So I think uh, that's so hard because it exposes our soft underbellies and the most vulnerable part of ourselves because we want to be right. We want to have it right the first time. And it's so difficult to, yeah, expose yourself in that way um, as a company or as a person. So uh, lead a company like you would lead yourself and make sure that everybody, I think, yeah, Psychological safety is so important on teams. If you're not just a solo entrepreneur, if there are multiple people um, working together, that they can really have free flow of information and honesty.
0: Um, so for when you're working at Sanford, what made you like, know this is like exactly what you want to do?
2: Well, here's the thing. I, as you can see from my resume, it's been, what did you say, a little bit of a zigzag, kind of all over the board. Some people might look at a resume like that and be like, what's happening here? What's what's going on? There isn't a real clear trajectory to uh, being a director or a CEO or, or something like this. Um, I think, if you are cross-trained in many different ways, I guess my advice to anybody going into marketing is like, don't choose one product. Like, don't choose uh, for-profit or don't choose not-for-profit. Choose what you love. You know, like for me, honestly, my currency is people and experiences. So I I know like. I would have a real tough time. Not even gonna lie to you guys. Have a real tough time, like selling farm equipment. You know, because like my heart is not in it. But somebody who lived their whole life on the farm, it's multi-generation. They would like rock it at RDO or one of the others, where they can just like feel that and they can tell the story and they can um, share in in any way, shape, or form that they need to. So I don't think, um, and, and maybe this isn't the greatest thing to say about an employer, but Sanford is like my family, you know, the, the people that I've met through it, it is about the people that I work with and in the, in the family and the work that we do. So every day that I go to work, and I think that's uh, <laughs> even more exemplified at a time like this, like we're my coworkers are out there saving lives. Um, I don't know that anything holds the can't holds a handle to that. Um, and knowing that I work for an organization that works for me, you know, so I don't, I, I that is such a difficult and sticky question and conversation when it comes to like brand loyalty, um, like for example, I don't think I do a great job working at Sanford Accounts Payable, but I sure am glad that there those are folks there that make sure bills get paid and folks get paid and our vendors get paid, it's wonderful. But there are also incredible people that work in security and uh, finance and healthcare accessories and all of these different um, what, like the supply chain, that like everything gets disrupted if one of those people isn't doing a, a good job. So I guess the most important thing to me is like, I just market Sanford, you know? And so people are like, oh, well, Sanford wants, I'm like, mm, careful, because even if somebody had a bad experience, I try to help them see that not all elements or not all individuals involved made that a bad experience. You know, it's just kind of a snapshot in time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, I think anytime you choose an organization or you choose a product, in my experience, you're choosing people, and, and that was abundantly clear to me in in my experience that after a certain amount of time. Um, I couldn't market just products, but I could always, always tell stories and market how it made people feel or when somebody has their life saved or when somebody's quality of life is improved or when somebody gets to live to see a graduation or a wedding um, or gets a new lease on life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to me, there's nothing that can hold a candle to that. So Sanford all the way. Team Sanford.
1: Well, that's good. I mean, it does sound pretty good the way the situation that the world is in now that we have people out
2: there doing that. So thankful, so grateful. Um, Yeah, we have town hall meetings. I really appreciate the transparency that my company has uh, allowed not pre, prior to this, but also now they have just elevated that where um, I'll be on a call with like six, 700 other people learning about the situation, you know, and, and sharing what's going on in the news. What are the trends? What are we seeing? Um, they don't have to do that. Leaders don't have to do that. They can shut their doors and keep zipped lips um that's not what they do they they open it all up they open up for questions and and that's what you want so i I would also say that if somebody's going into a career um, and going into those interviews like be bold ask those same questions about what you need because There will likely be a time where you're like, man, I am just not working with enough information here. I want to make good decisions and market these products well, but I can't. Like, I can't get my finger on the pulse of this organization. And typically, that has to do with um, either a lack of leadership or or a lack of transparency, or kind of a tight grip on um, policy or procedure or protocol. Where in some cases, like Now, pandemic wise, that's out the window, right? Like you gotta go, you gotta pivot every day. Um, and so making sure you you've got the right people in your corner that you can do that, very important. So as you guys are going out there and like getting jobs, make sure don't just give yourself away because you need to, you know, be safe and comfortable and productive in your own workspaces too.
0: Yeah,
1: Yeah, for sure. Mm
2: That was an early, uh, I wouldn't say mistake, but maybe a misstep on my part is that once you have a certain skill set, you, you're like, yeah, I can do that. Look what I can do. You're just the cheerleader and you want to let people know what you're good at, but that doesn't necessarily serve you <laughs> in the end either um, because you can't pour from an empty cup. And then you might realize, yeah, even though you can do it, do you want to do it? Like for example let's give the the farming equipment analogy again like yeah I could probably market that like nobody's business and, but was it what I was put on the earth to do is it where my personal sun rises and sets maybe not um yeah and I even at this time I'm, I'm not saying that I encourage everybody to have a side hustle but when it comes to marketing, like if somebody's in marketing <clears throat> right now, and for whatever reason, there's what 6.6 million employment claims, unemployment claims today. Um, have plans. Be be working your your creativity. Write it out on a notebook. Of like, huh? If things get really bad, what are some of my options here? What are some of the things that I could do instead of what I'm doing right now? Because I think. That is what we need, you know. Those in marketing, we need those creative thinkers. We need those creative minds uh, that can see things from all sorts of different ways. That can that can uh, meet a demand. That can see those little holes in the marketplace that can be filled uh, because we can't, right? Like every company is irreparably changed. Some for the better, and some. Yeah unfortunately, for the worse, uh, that won't, they won't, they will not bounce back from this unless they choose to rise up and change.
0: Yeah, going off, like, uh, they're looking for people, like I saw one like clip for like, they want like video gamers because they look for shortcuts and stuff like that. So they're really searching for like a bunch of people to help solve this.
2: That's right, Austin, right? Like, so much hate on the gamers, and now they're like, hey, gamers, we need you. Yeah. (laughs) We need to fast-track this, and we know that you guys know all the cheat codes. So, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Show up.
1: So, branching off of that, going back to brand image, um, what would a typical consumer say about your company?
2: Oh, um, that's a really great question. I think it would depend on the area in which that consumer interacted. So if the consumer, I'm, I say that because Sanford Health as a whole employs 50,000 people, we're across so many, you know, hospitals and clinics and small towns and big towns and um, long-term care facilities and Eye clinics and pharmacies all of these different things ortho um, so if somebody's interacting maybe with patient financial services because they want to get a bill paid or something like this um, they might say oh it's so difficult to work with that organization now if they work with me they on their stage of readiness and change They're a little more open to it. So they might be like, oh, I love, you know, Sanford Wellness and Lifestyle Medicine because there's a coach there that helps you move through some of your lifestyle changes and and walks you through and helps you with a plan and checks back in on you and um, holds your hand until you can walk the journey alone. And so in that regard, I think we'd probably get very high marks. so depends. Not a yeah, great answer. Yeah.
1: Uh, so what has been uh, one of the biggest lessons you've learned so far in your career?
2: Oh, you guys, for sure. My small business failure. So I was JM Brandon enterprises, LLC. That's when I was, Freelance writing and doing my childbirth doula, childbirth education and doula business. Um, I had that for, I believe, a year and a half, and it was feast or famine. So, I retrospectively, I don't think it was a failure as much as it was an incredible learning opportunity. And I don't think I had as many tools in the toolbox that I thought I did. Therefore, when I would either get a, a lot of cash flow coming through, like I would have a you know a couple of clients and a couple of gigs and uh, a couple of classes, and then I would have the famine, right? So then I would have the next month where um, we wouldn't have cash flow from from my small business, and so from a family perspective, um, in in my family, my husband is an at-home parent now, so he is at home, and he now, uh, and previous to now, home educates our children, so we've been a homeschool family um, since our kids started school, and so at that time, he was working full-time, so we've always had just like a one-income family, and then side income, so the other person that's at home with the children is either like what I was doing with my small business or um, my husband worked for direct support care uh, while I worked full time at the library. So we've been just like living a life on one income. A, I think this is pretty smart, pretty smart. Like just living as best you can on one income uh, for the four of us is helpful, you know, to not overextend or hyperextend resources. And so that was probably the biggest thing I learned was jumping too soon into small business ownership um, because I didn't have that fail safe. I didn't, I hadn't built up that revenue. I didn't have a good way to manage my revenue stream and I didn't have a backup plan for, you know, when that cash wasn't there. And it just became hard to manage, you know, so then when I would get cash flow, I would help like just put it right back into the business. I never like took a salary for myself, you know? So it was like, it's all very confusing because I wasn't, I didn't go to to business school and I didn't, obviously guys, I have a degree in theater arts, right? Um, So kind of a half-cooked dream of where this could go. And so I know now, you know, five years is that time. And I know that I would do it better now. I would have more resources. I would uh, get educated and have mentors and understand business and the basics of business in its entirety, instead of like farming it out. Like, I, th- I think I'm the kind of person that I really need to, to know all of those elements. Um, General ledger, and debits, and whether I'm in the black or whether I'm in the red, I would need to understand all of that before just launching headlong. Because the ideas were good. Th- those were definitely salvageable, the idea of the business. It's just the, the model of the management of the business when it was sink or swim, which was not. So that's what I learned. Do more before you start a small business to know what you're doing. Not just on a wing and a prayer, but luckily I wasn't like hundreds of thousands of dollars into it um, before I got out, so there weren't any, you know, long-term irreparable damages to to credit or or debt um, in that regard. So fortunate That's in good. that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, What do you think has been the biggest influence to get to where you are right now?
2: Oh my gosh, it has to be support, the family support and the mentor support. Um, So like I said, my husband stays home. So you guys, I have a house husband, like he cooks and he cleans and he educates. Hates the children so mama can go out and get the bread. You know, I think that's incredible to have that level of support. And I also think it's kind of cool that um, it just kind of flips the gender roles a bit. And so I kind of like yeah. it even for him because oftentimes that's like, you know, kid tending and house tending are all usually female types of roles where he's like, no, yeah, he's a smart guy too. He's got a degree in history and he had previously been um, mechanical engineering track. So I'm like, oh, no, you're the correct person to be home educating our children um, at this time. I can give them a heck of a English or a theater lesson um, and phi Ed as a personal trainer. And I can I can totally nail phi Ed. Mm-hmm. Um, But that support within the home along with mentorship, outside of the home has been phenomenal. And the older I get, right, at my sage elder age of 38, um, I lean more into that mentorship instead of away from it. Because when I was younger, I had this like, I can do it, I can do this all myself, I don't need to lean into any of the services or extras that are provided, I can handle this. Uh, And that is just foolish. And it's not even what I would coach or mentor to anyone else. Um, And then also interns. So I have an intern this semester. Unfortunately, her internship had to end early due to the pandemic. But um, coming alongside different generations and ages, this woman has taught me things that will carry me through decades, you know, about, you know, how to manage and how to process and how to work through things. And so to have like a 22 working alongside a 38 working alongside a 53 in those ages, um, just being open to that. Yeah. I think has been so helpful over time to be successful, to not like close, close down or shut off from, from those things, open and collaborative.
0: Yeah. Uh, for the last question, I'm going to ask, uh, what advice would you give to someone uh, with the virus going on right now? Especially if they don't know what they're doing, really. What advice would you give them? Especially with, like, they don't know what's going to happen.
2: Yeah. That is a really great question, Austin. And I don't know that I have a magic answer for that, just because none of us have lived through a pandemic before but i tell you what i don't think yeah maybe even in my lifetime perhaps the september 11th attacks unified us in this way but the fact that we are unified in this experience will speak volumes um I'm not saying that it's a necessarily like a get out of jail free card, but there will be more understanding because it's not like just Austin was affected or just Sam or just Janelle. We all were affected, not economically, personally, right? Like all of us had some sort of ripple effect from this. And that can go two ways, fork in the road, people can become, you know, angry or bitter or kind of go to that place of like, hoard money or hoard um, supplies, or they can go the other way and say, listen, everybody who has been through this has been affected by it. Therefore, I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure when it comes time to hire I hire well, and I open up these opportunities, and I um, take a risk or roll the dice like, for, for the kids that never get a chance to graduate high school, you know, have a ceremony, um, have that prom ceremony, have that college graduation ceremony, have that wedding, have that funeral, like, so many people are being affected by this, that this The kind of national psyche, the international the global psyche uh, will be sensitive to it, and my hope is because I believe in the goodness of human nature that when we get to the other side when it comes time to you know stimulate the economy and hire and create and build and make and inform and return to our new normal that those Jobs will be there that 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 those that understand that concept will will open up and hire now, on the other side of that, I think it is so important that those who are going like maybe they're just like on this one track and they realize, oh my gosh, I am not sure that my four year degree is as marketable now that than it was uh, three weeks ago, right? So there are definitely people who are realizing, yeah. oh my God, <laughs> oh no, what do I do? How do I pivot from this? So my th- my other advice is like you get you get in on cor- Coursera, you get apprentice type skills, you cross train your you make your resume start looking like mine. So you could like hop on stage and be in theater, or you could you know throw boxes for FedEx. Like you roll up your sleeves and know that maybe you're going to be working the fields or you're working construction, even as a CPA, like being humble, like go be so humble as you're going into this post-pandemic time. Um, so those would be my <laughs> two little grains of uh, wisdom, take them with a grain of salt to, if, if they seem to work but be open-minded and not close like no i was going to have my accounting internship and then i was going to go right into the firm and going you know like, no i think it's important to maybe stay the course if that works for you fantastic and great um but know that maybe whatever that side hustle or what your other skills learned along the way that might actually carry you ahead you know uh, and it might be a lot more physical what we're seeing Right now are the people that are thriving, Is <laughs> in like the grocery and the, um, yeah, warehouse like your Amazons and gas stations, like the things that are those essential, health care. Make sure when, when we were in crisis, what did people need? And wrap your mind around how can I insert myself into that? How can I bring my talents and abilities um, to meet that need? how can i 3d print a ventilator right now from my apartment right like how how do we get there and and meet those needs because that's what's going to be needed because people will come out so shell-shocked and not want to be ever back in that crisis again yeah
1: yeah for sure well thank you for
2: joining us today uh you're so welcome guys it was great talking to you
0: yeah, nice talking to you, too. Yeah, it was great yes, talking to um, you. Yes,
2: let me know when this comes out. I'd love to hear it.
0: All right, I will.
2: All right, take care. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Have a good day.